Thank you, guys. That's great. All right. It's okay. I did okay. You guys doing all right? You guys are the middle crowd. I'm not sure what that means. Like, the early crowd means, like, we're trying to get this, you know, and, like, get to Grandma's house or, you know, whatever it is. The middle crowd, I'm not sure. Like, I know the third service, they're like, it's Easter and we don't care. We're just we're showing up at 11 o'clock and we're thankful for a little extra time to sleep in and, you know. But uh, uh, first service is absolutely packed and obviously a lot of folks here and here now. Uh, awesome stuff. Hey, I want to share just a couple things uh, with you just real quick. Uh, and I don't want to take much time with this, but I've got a couple of opportunities, and if this speaks to you, uh, then I want you to come find me after the service, and I want you to hand me uh, a number that I can text you at. Just put your name and your phone number uh, where I can text you later today. Uh, but tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon, evening, uh, I'm going to take a trip over to uh, an addiction recovery facility uh, that is close to here that we are wanting to partner with and they have some needs. They have some construction needs. And so if you do construction of any kind or HVAC or plumbing uh, or whatever, uh, you know, we concrete, uh, whatever it might be, uh, I'm wanting to gather a few people together and just go over there, and uh, you're going to get to see uh, kind of what's what they're doing there and see a little project that we're wanting to take on. It's a little good-sized project. Uh, but uh, if you're at all interested in that, uh, would love to, to take you with us and for you to get to uh, see what that's about uh, and all that stuff. Again, just give me, give me some information I can text you at, and I'll give you some more details of that uh, later on in the day today. Uh, <clears throat> also just want to make mention, first of all, and say thank you to all of you who uh, so generously gave uh, in the last week uh, toward the Big Give. We had a special offering. We do this, uh, we've gotten, well, uh, we did it a couple years ago. We did it this year. We may do it every year. I don't know. Everybody seems to kind of enjoy it. Uh, but uh, something we call the Big Give. Uh, and so basically all the offerings for this past week to came together. Uh, and we've got some things, if you didn't know, if you haven't been hanging around or whatever and haven't seen or heard kind of what's going on that uh, we were not able to take care of as a part of the renovation. And much of that is buying uh, things that we need, such as equipment. There's a lot, a lot of equipment that's needed in this room alone, uh, sound and tech stuff. Uh, and so, uh, and that stuff is not cheap, and it comes at a very, very high price tag. Uh, but we want to try to do that well. We've, we've kind of bandaged together what we've had for years, and, and the guys have done a fantastic job of utilizing what we've had. Uh, but we'd like to get it to where it's supposed to be, uh, and maybe even get it where we're not having to blow everybody's heads off with the sound system. Uh, by having more of it where you're able to control the, the volume and the sound and all those things better. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to let you know uh, that over this past week, we, we had the biggest offering in a week's time that we've ever had uh, at just over $68,000. Uh, and so praise God for that. I think that is awesome. And, and that's a testimony to you guys and, and your willingness to give and, uh, and do that. And so, uh, and, and if, listen, it, that we, we still don't have enough quite to do the things just in here. Uh, so, you know, just be praying as God might lead you to be a part of that. Uh, obviously, we'd still, you know, we're still going to be uh, trying to work toward that to happen. And uh, we're, we're getting very close at this point. So that, that's pretty awesome and, and excited to, uh, to finally be able to say that uh, even. So... Uh, that being said, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into this. If you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and get it out. If you uh, need to b- 
borrow a Bible or you don't own one and you would like one, our ushers will literally bring you one and give it to you in your hand. Just throw your hand up and let them know that you need it. Uh, We'd love for you to keep it if you want to. It is a gift. Otherwise, you can return it to the shelf in the back uh, on your way out when you go. Uh, Just set it on top when you're headed out. Uh, But uh, we're going to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And this this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And uh, you know, Matthew 28 is an interesting passage that I think that we study uh, parts of it at a time we, we don't usually look at the whole. Uh, and today we're looking at the whole because, you know, uh, we've got, obviously we've got that, you know, Christ is risen and we're celebrating that today and we'll be talking about that and we see that in Matthew 28. Uh, but then there's uh, another little something that kind of happens in there that we're going to look at. And then we have the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28. And, and I don't think that for a lot of us, we really think a whole lot about uh, putting the Great Commission with uh, the risen Christ. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, find, I find it interesting and, and, and I find it uh, fascinating to think about, you know, Christ comes back from the dead. He's going to teach X amount of things in a short amount of time. And what he chooses are these things. And in fact, for the book of Matthew, uh, this is the only thing that we see uh, from Matthew himself as, as he's penned this. It's the only thing that we get to see that Christ has taught after he has risen from the dead. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, and I encourage you to do this and take you all of like 15 minutes to do it at the most, um, it is at this time of year, uh, every year, one of the things I do is I like to go through all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and get the get the whole picture of what happens after Christ rises from the dead and and get to see all of the little things that happen here and there and the conversations he's having with all these different people and Peter and and the different things he's teaching and all this kind of stuff and and to just kind of be able to like put all that you know to have all that in my head I don't know I just there's something special about getting to do that I encourage you to do that maybe you sit down tonight uh, and do that before you go to bed or whatever it is maybe tomorrow morning's devotion or something I don't know uh, but I recommend it for you it's a great thing and uh, and we're already knocking out one of them here today so you're already you're already ahead in the game uh, Matthew 28 though let's let's start with this and let's look and see uh, at what God has done and What is the message of Easter? Uh, Matthew 28, verse 1, it says this. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of this passage. I don't know why. I have always loved the fact that the angel doesn't just roll the stone back. The angel, like, comes and sets on it kind of like a, bam, I just did that. You know, kind of like, I don't know, like, I personally, this is just me. I'm not saying it's the scriptures. I personally envision, like, the, the angel is, like, sitting on the stone, legs crossed, eating an apple. You know, just like, we, we just did it. And so then it goes on, verse 3, it says, his appearance, the angel's appearance, was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. They are scared out of their ever-loving minds, okay? Roman soldiers who, who fight to kill 
are scared out of their minds because all of a sudden this angel has come down and his appearance was like lightning and clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You know what became like dead men means, right? They're playing possum, right? I mean, like my kids do this with me, you know, especially my littler kids. And I, I realized in the, early, the earlier services, like a couple of my older children were sitting over here that it dawned on me, like, maybe sometimes they do it and they're really good at it. Like, the little kids, like, I just, I can say, like, a couple of funny things, and all of a sudden, they're giggling. So I know if they're playing possum or not. The older kids, I'm thinking, are probably, like, maybe pretty good at it at this point. I didn't realize that until earlier, so we're just going to have to have a talk about it. But anyway... Uh, they're playing possum, they're playing dead because they're scared to death. They don't want anything to happen to them. Verse 5, it goes on, But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. And I think that we forget a lot of times that Jesus is like, I mean, you go, I was looking this up, I was you know, this week studying through like other places where Jesus was dropping that little bit of knowledge along the way that this is going to happen. Like it shouldn't have been a surprise. But when it actually happened, it was a surprise. And it says, as he said, he is not here for he has risen. Praise the Lord. And he says, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So, both Marys go to the scene to mourn the loss of their loved one. They get there, angel sitting on a rock, Jesus gone, he's defeated death, he's come back to life. The angel tells him so. We got Roman soldiers playing possum. And then now on the way back, they run into Jesus. They run into Jesus. And he says, greetings. And they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And you can imagine after the grieving that they have done over the last couple of days, just how good it must have been to see their Savior. They are literally on the ground at his feet, worshiping him, so glad to see him. I'm sure as emotional as it gets. And he says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers in Galilee that they will see me. So he sends them on. As he sends them on, the story continues. We have those soldiers that we were talking about. Verse 11 And it says, while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people 
his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And as the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. So, here we have one of our first recorded government conspiracies. Surprise, surprise. We're so surprised. And here in this little moment, this is, this is, this is essentially blackmail. I want you to see kind of what's going on here. Like for these Roman soldiers, first of all, um, there's part of me that's surprised that they went and actually told what happened because, uh, I mean, in general, I know that they had to be scared for their lives because they literally probably were in jeopardy of losing their lives for allowing, <laughs> allowing this to happen uh, as if they could really do anything about an angel of the Lord coming down and rolling a stone away and scaring them half to death into being possums. Uh, but then... Uh, they basically, when the leadership hears about what's gone on, they, they now, so that you have a full understanding here, are scared to death that word is going to get out that Jesus has risen. Like this is the last thing that they want. They, they, they were trying to do away with Jesus and kill Jesus off for fear that he would literally become the king that they had always heard that he was going to be this king of the Jews. And the whole, the whole thing was political. I mean, like, it was such a corrupt government that in that moment, their whole, their whole circumstance, their whole desire to see Jesus be killed was because they were afraid he would become this king that he never cared anything about being because he wasn't into politics, that wasn't his game. Uh, he, he came to be our king. He came to be king of anyone who would believe in him for what he was going to do on the cross. But they didn't understand that, and they didn't know that. And so even in this moment, they're thinking, we've, we've, got, we've got to shut this down. What are we going to do to shut this down? And so they come up with a story. You guys ever see the movie, and I talk about this almost every Easter, I feel like, but I, I can't help it. You ever see this movie, uh, oh gosh, uh, Weekend at Bernie's, thank you. Classic, classic cinema. Classic cinema. <laughs> like, I, I see a movie like that now that comes from the 80s, and I'm like, how, how did we watch this? Like, it's so bad, you know? Like, and, and w w if you don't know, for those of you that didn't make it through the 80s, Weekend at Bernie's is a movie about this guy who has invited these guys to come party at his beach house for the week or whatever, and, and Bernie, the owner of the beach house and all this, he dies. Well, instead of like, you know, doing the normal stuff that you do when somebody dies, they're like, well, we can't let this ruin our week. Let's just pretend like he's still alive and still have the parties and stuff at the house. And they're literally dragging their dead friend around all week. Like, you know, and only because it's the 80s do we buy into a movie actually existing like that. It didn't work for Weekend at Bernie's. It ain't working with Jesus, you know. I mean, like the story is so stupid, you know. But that is what they 
are going to try to tell and do try to tell people that this happened. And these soldiers are caught in the middle. You know, there's a part of me that really kind of feels for these soldiers because the truth is, is again, they're scared of losing their lives because this happened on their watch. Not that there's anything that they could do about that. But so to hush the story down of what really happened the leadership and the government are like, well, you know, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just we'll give you guys money to tell this lie that's not going to hurt anybody, right? And to tell this lie, and then we'll cover for you with the governor if anything comes up. We've got this taken care of. In other words, we're we got your tail. We're not going to let you get. We're not going to let you get killed. Blackmail. Here's the thing I can't help but think about. These guys saw Jesus rise from the dead. I mean, like, you get that, right? Like, and, 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 and now they're just supposed to look away? <laughs> they're, they're just supposed to look away and tell a lie? Like, these guys saw our Savior come out of the tomb. He saw the angel. He saw the whole thing. They saw the whole thing. And then now they're just supposed to look away? They're supposed to pretend like this didn't happen? I mean, I'm just thinking about this from like a counseling standpoint. Like, get one of those guys on the couch like 10, 15 years down the road, and all of a sudden he's ready to spill the beans, and he's been dealing with this all this time. Like, what's this done to him, not just like mentally, what's this done to him spiritually? Like, I think... I think about us sometimes when we see God do something and we see God move in our lives and then we choose to look away because it's not convenient for our life right now to not look away. We got to look away to keep to keep going what we got going on. You know, we can't mess that up because that's so important to us. These guys looked away out of fear from what others thought. Now, we don't, this is the end. We don't know any more about them. So, we don't know if like a week later, one of them's like spilling the beans and becomes a disciple of Jesus and goes out and starts teaching the gospel. We don't, we don't have any record of that. But here's what we do have. We have record of what happened here, and apparently it was important enough that Matthew recorded it in between Jesus rising and then the mission of God being given by Jesus himself to his disciples in the passage that we're now going to look at in verse 16. Verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and they saw him and worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission comes right after Jesus rose from the dead. It's the only thing that Matthew actually penned for us to have as what Jesus would share after he came back from the dead. 
I'm just thinking that if Jesus comes back from the dead and he has something to say, I'm, I'm all ears. Again, that's why I like doing that little study I was talking about, like see what, he, see what happens in all the different you know, Gospels. I mean, it's just it's awesome to me to see some of the conversations he has and, and all the things. But, but here you've got Jesus giving our marching orders, the very mission of God in which he has given us that we would go and that we would make him known into all nations. I love that, by the way. All nations means everybody, okay? But then even before that, we see that some of the disciples doubted. Like in this moment... In this moment, some of the disciples doubted, and we see that, and we see that getting played out a little more in some of the other gospels. I'll let you go check that out for yourself, you know. But you know, we see some of them doubted, and for us, I think it's easy for us to go, "Oh my gosh, they're so stupid!" You know, how in the world could they have doubted after all that they've seen God do and what Jesus has done? And then they're doubting. But don't we do the same? Don't we doubt God every time we sin? Every time we choose something that's our way over His way, isn't that us basically saying, God, I know, I know what you really want me to do, but I'm not going to do that right now because I've come up with a better plan. How dumb is that? Like when we really hear it and we really think about it. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, saying that the Father, he's showing, he's showing the hierarchy of the Trinity here between the Father and the Son, that, that the Son comes under the Father, and the Father has given the Son, both still God, but has given the Son uh, the authority to come and to say these things, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what? Teaching them what? To observe all that I have commanded you. He's like, so go back and everything I've been telling you, hold fast to that. Study that. Let that be your guide in what you're called to do. And then he finishes, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What comforting words to come from our Savior. Saw this quote. I've seen it. Seen it before. Saw it a couple times over the weekend. It's an anonymous quote, if you will. It says, "Jesus didn't say I am finished. He said it is finished. He was just getting started." And I love that. And and I, part of what I love about that is the whole. He is just getting started. You know, first of all, it is finished is, is talking about the work done necessary in order for us to receive forgiveness, for the bridge to be built between us and the Lord. It was finished in that moment on the cross when Jesus gave his life. He said, it is finished and gave up his life. When he comes out of the grave... He defeats death on our behalf. And at the end of the day, somewhere in there, we've got to understand that John 3.16 piece. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life is this understanding that we are sinners and we need a Savior. Every one of us is a sinner. Nobody better than anybody else. We're all sinners equally. You know? 
You go, well, I'm such a bad person, Chris. You don't know. I've done a bunch of bad stuff. Listen, we've all done a bunch of bad stuff. We're all a bunch of sinners. We all understand that according to Scripture, sin has a penalty. That penalty is death, and Jesus took that death on our behalf. And all we can do is believe. We can't earn it. That kills some of us. That's hard on some of us because we want to earn it. But God didn't make it that way because he didn't want man to boast about what he had done. He wanted us to boast in what he had done. 1 Corinthians 15.50 says this. It says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to read that again because I think especially in the South, there's a lot of people who, who buy into the thought. Even if they say they don't, still a lot of people that buy into the thought that they really think that their salvation can come because of who they're related to or that they grew up in church. I'm going to say it again. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It is only by His grace it is only by at some point in our lives where we as people and the Lord come together and we understand our need for a Savior, our need for forgiveness, and that we trust and we believe in Jesus to be who He is and what He's done on the cross and through an empty tomb that He has overcome death on our behalf. And it's going to talk about death. Let's just keep reading. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body should put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. I'm going to say it again. Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, O death, is from Isaiah 25. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death does not have a hold on us. Just as it didn't have a hold on Jesus. But it's not because of how good we are or how much church we go to. We have to understand that we are sinners. We have to understand that we have a need for a Savior. We have to understand that we need forgiveness. And we have to understand that Jesus is the only way to get it. Because he's the only one that could accomplish defeating death on our behalf. We couldn't do that. Death for us is death. But death for us after believing and trusting Christ is life. Have you believed? Have you trusted in Him to be your Savior? I pray that if you never have, I pray that you do today. 
I pray that today is the day that God speaks to your heart and you begin to understand, I need a Savior. I need to trust in Him. I'm not coming in on anybody else's coattails because my granddaddy was a good Christian or anybody else. Confess to Him. Tell Him. Let Him be the Lord of your life. Today, today, don't look away. Don't be like those guards. Don't be like us sometimes in our lives when we just go on our own. No, no. Look to the Lord. Don't look away. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, for anyone that has never trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray that you'd speak to their hearts today. God, I pray that they would, they would talk to somebody today, that they would pray with someone today about what it means to know you as their Savior. God, use us as your light, Lord, to lead others to you. We ask all this in your Son's name. Amen.